episode 147 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Too many people rooting for Putin. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. I, I don't understand the right in this country. Pretending that, you know, Biden is warmongering with Putin. Biden doesn't have 140,000, almost 200,000 actually now. Troops ready to go outside the Ukrainian border. Biden is in annexing territory, declaring the independence of territory. This is a disaster in the making, America. And the right wing in this country is all about it. They are right there with Putin, hoping and praying that this guy starts a war because they think it's bad for Biden. And it is bad for Biden because in the short term, oil prices will skyrocket in this country and oil prices are pretty high as it is right now. Um, I couldn't imagine what they'll be if now the entire European Union, which depends uh, very much so on oil and gas from Russia uh, is no longer buying oil and gas from Russia because of sanctions that are imposed on it. If they, uh, the pipeline that Russia plans to put in service in July doesn't go into service because it's knocked out of service because of a war, which it will be. Um, uh, you know, these, these people on the right, uh, particularly Tucker Carlson, uh, it's disgusting to see what they're suggesting or implying, or, you know, Tucker likes to just ask questions. They're just asking questions. No, you're not. It's it's amazing to me. The drumbeat to war that is happening right now uh, over there is dramatic. And, and, and while there is hope still, I mean, you know, I'm taping this on Monday night. And this is not a story you can follow on a podcast, right? Because it's changing minute by minute. I went to bed last night thinking, okay, Putin's agreed to a summit with, uh, with Biden uh, you know, he won't do anything drastic between now and then. And then, of course, on Monday, he signs uh, an executive order in Russia recognizing two provinces in eastern Ukraine as independent. Um, I, I, look, clearly, uh, this man is intent on taking back Ukraine. It's the question of what the rest of the world is going to do to stop him. And I don't believe in appeasement. I think appeasement is what led us to Hitler. And uh, while I'm not comparing Putin to Hitler yet, um, his ambitions to uh, reconstitute the former USSR uh, are clear. He's made it clear. He has said as much. He said as much in a speech on Monday. He feels that the dissolution of the Soviet Union was one of the worst tragedies in the history of Russia. Um, you know, there are former members of the Soviet Union that are part of NATO now particularly the Baltic territories, Estonia, Lithuania, um, Latvia. How easy would it be for him to just keep, you know, pushing through and taking them? This is a, this is a big, big problem for not just the United States, but for the entire world. And usually in times like this, everybody pulls together and rows in the same direction. It's not going to happen this time. The right wing in this country, they don't care how big the problem is. If it hurts Biden, they're all for it happening. Politics used to stop at the water's edge. Uh-uh, not with these guys. 
Not anymore. They are unpatriotic, and quite frankly, supporting Putin is un-American. I don't care who you are. I don't care how, how many flags you hug. If you're out there supporting this guy and his ambitions to reconstitute the former USSR, you are un-American. And quite frankly, the actions you are doing, if they are coordinated in any way with them, is treason. Period. End of story. It is punishable by death in the United States Constitution. And I'm not for the death penalty, so, you know, you know, call me somebody who says life imprisonment for that. But it is treason to be providing assistance to the enemy, including propaganda assistance. Members of the Senate, members of the media who might choose to support Vladimir Putin. If there's any coordination whatsoever, talking points, whatever you're using, you are committing treason. And frankly, it should be punished. I don't think we've been punishing things in this country. We didn't punish Putin uh, for Crimea. Big mistake by Obama. Big mistake by the European Union at the time. We didn't punish Russia for their doping. We allowed them to continue to compete under the Russian Olympic Committee. And here we go, more doping. No consequences for Putin. No consequences for Russia. No consequences for people who said, who were seditious on January 6th so far. And I'm not talking about the fools that ran into the Capitol. I'm talking about the masterminds like Roger Stone and Steve Bannon who planned the damn thing with Donald Trump. Where are their consequences? When those consequences happen, I'll believe it. I haven't seen it yet. But a world without consequences means a world with repeated attempts. And we're seeing it right now in Eastern Europe. We're seeing it in Ukraine. Russia had very limited consequences for what they did in Ukraine. Here we go. Here we go again. Whatever sanctions Joe Biden and and the rest of the world are planning on putting on Putin, they need to do it quickly. In fact, I would do it before he even fires a shot. I would be seizing every asset of every oligarch from the Russian Republic anywhere in the world that we can freeze their bank accounts, make it impossible for them to do business, take their yachts, take their, their, their beach houses, their villas, their vineyards, take it all. Freeze it. Make them feel it. Don't allow them to travel anywhere in the world. Make it impossible. And forget about that pipeline. Knock it out. Blow it up so it can never be used again. That's my feeling. This guy is not going to stop at the Ukraine. He has made it very clear to the world. He wants to reconstitute the USSR. And if you're an American and you lived through that period of history, and I have, right? I mean, I I was young, but I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up half of my life with the USSR, half of my life without it. Maybe a, a third of my life with it. and I don't know, 20% of my life. I don't know what the math is. It dissolved when I was like 17, 18, 17. So, you know, it's a, it's something that we don't want to see again as Americans. But there are people in the media and there are certain politicians in this country that are egging it on, that want to see this guy succeed because they think it hurts Biden. And it does hurt Biden, but it also hurts America. So if you're rooting for Putin, you're not American. And if you're really rooting for Putin, working with him to try to make it happen, you're committing treason and you should be punished for it. 
there needs to be consequences. All right, I have a fantastic guest, Ellie Mistal. You've seen him before on this show. He's been here a bunch of times. And uh, really excited to have him back again. And uh, listen to this, and I'll be back uh, to wrap up the show. Ellie Mistal, big friend of the show. We've had him on many times before. He's got a new book coming out on March 1st, basically a week from today. Uh, it's called Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. L.A. What's up, Grant? My fellow Long Island friend. How are you? I'm good. Speaking of Long Island. Speaking of Long Island. That's <laughs> some old Long Island history in my book, actually. I, I can't. By, by the way, I can't wait to read this book. <laughs> and you better send me an autographed copy of it. I'll buy it. I'm going to send you the book. I'm going to buy it because I want to support you because I love you. Okay. I'll buy a copy, but I'm sending it to you to autograph it personally to me. And then I'm going to read it. Or maybe I'll read it and then I'll send it to you. (laughs) Understood. Understood. Yeah. No, I've look, I'm just, I've written about what I, what I've been focusing on my whole life, which is uh, how we make the constitution work for, 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 for people who weren't, um, uh, originally counted as people when the thing was written. Yes. In 1787. You well, know. you were counted, but only three fifths counted, which was ridiculous. Well, at least we were three fifths. Women, women didn't get counted at all, right? So, like, you gotta. <laughs> they didn't. Well, you know, I didn't even. I didn't even realize that. Like, you know, I, I am a lawyer too, and I'm like, wait a minute, why did I miss that? Man. <laughs> That's the difference between your Harvard education and my St. John's. But of course, <laughs> we passed the bar in the first time. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's that. But I was saying my Long Island thing is that uh, I've got a fun story about my dad. So if people know me and Chris. Like my my, uh, we go way back. My dad was a local politician on Long Island. Yep. I've got a story about gerrymandering with my dad and uh, Rick Lazio, who also used to be in the uh, in the Suffolk County legislature yep. um, before he was a congressperson and then you know, eventually ran against Hillary Clinton um, for the Senate. Um, so I got a story about those two guys trying to figure out basically the gerrymander um, for the 1990, I think, redistricting um, uh, for Suffolk County. It was a, it's a fun story. The 1990 county legislative district, or the yeah, yeah, because he went to Congress, I think, in 1992 or 90. He went, he went in 92. Yeah, this was the after the 90 census. This is the 91 redistricting meetings, uh, uh, trying to redistrict the county legislature. Yeah, that that must have been a crazy. So tell me about that. Tell, tell me the story. How'd that go? Well, there's some of it I can't tell on family radio. Cause oh. My dad was involved. Oh yeah, your dad. Your dad was a very colorful Long Island political personality who I knew. I knew him like I knew him really well. I mean, my wife worked for him. So it was, and then they were colleagues in the Suffolk County Legislature together. My wife yep. and your dad at one point. Uh, trying to work things out. Rick Lazio's late, and so he kind of comes in in the back room. He sits down next to me. He's like, yeah, is that your dad? And I'm like embarrassed. My dad's just cursing at people. I'm like, no, my dad's Doc Gooden. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about, you know, like the Mets and school for like 10 minutes before my dad just starts screaming, where the is Rick? Where the is Rick? <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, was Rick? So Rick was a legislator at the time. Your dad was the like the chief of staff to the legislature yeah. at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and they and obviously they work out these maps and they go back and forth and and at that time in 1990 the Democrats had nothing in Suffolk right. County. 
But the, the point that I make in the book, the reason why I told the story in the book is that the reason why my dad is in that meeting is because this is back in 1990. My dad knows where all the black people live on Long Island in 1990. Right. right? This is before Zillow. This is before Facebook. Right, right. You know, you didn't have Zillow. You had my dad. It wasn't, an ex- it wasn't the exact science it is today right? where they right. go by, okay, what, who bought what on, with their credit card? Who's subscribing to this magazine? You know, like there's, there's a way you do it now that's very different. So he was trying to get, you know, he was trying to get parts of Wyandanche into, into, into the Amityville, kind of greater Amityville district. He was trying to do his things, and he wanted to move some Latinos um, out of Lazio's district, where Lazio was just killing it. Right. Anyway, right, so they, were, they weren't going to help anybody there. Right. Move it into a different Republican's district, where they thought they could have a chance to beat that Republican, but they needed Lazio's sign off on that huh. and so then lazio has you know lazio was just like i want to keep my latinos because i do well with them yo i don't see them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, read he, the story by lazio he's like he doesn't remember the exact meeting but he's like that sounds like your dad that's funny that is very funny that is that is funny stuff so ellie this book is going to be great uh if you're listening to the show and you don't buy ellie's book i'm very disappointed in you uh <laughs> so just please listen ellie mistal's book coming out very soon march 1st uh let allow me to retort a black guy's guide to the constitution i'm getting it right right yep that's it yeah make sure you buy it's gonna be available i'm sure wherever you get books wherever you get your popular books and i just last week finished the audible recording so it'll also be available on audio yeah which by the way was your first excuse for not coming on the show you're like i gotta go to audible and i gotta do a voiceover for the book i can't be on the radio with you yelling the only thing i could do that week was to was to record that wasn't allowed to go on because i had to preserve the voice and they only let me record for like four and a half hours at a time as a whole thing (laughs) you know i I should get my sag card afterwards you you know you got to listen to Dave Grohl. Okay. You know who Dave Grohl is? The lead singer yeah. of the food. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, so Dave Grohl yells at the top of his lungs like five nights a week and does nothing, does nothing to protect his voice. So, <laughs> yes. Well, there's a reason why he's a multi-million dollar rock star and I'm me. Right? Well, you're going to sell many millions of books and then you'll be a multi-million dollar. You'll be a book millionaire and we'll all, I'll come to your house and, and you could, you could, you could, you could pay. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. So, so, so Ellie, I want to talk to you about Biden's Supreme Court pick. Uh, I mean, I've been trying. That's why I originally was like, oh, Biden's going to get to pick a Supreme Court justice. Let's get Ellie Mistal on the show. Uh, you know, I mean, it's nobody knows the court better than you. You should be taken over for Jeffrey Tubin uh, on on CNN. I'm sure you won't whip it out as often as he does. And it'll, <laughs> it'll be and you, by the way, and you'll be far more entertaining and CNN's ratings will go up. Uh, so I, you know, tell me, you know, give me your your your, your thoughts on this whole process. Are the Republicans going to play ball? It's not going to change the balance of power. Not going to change the balance of power, but I think there's a chance that Republicans play ball here. Like, let's remember, some of the candidates that Biden is talking about, some of the black women candidates that he's talking about, he's recently nominated them for circuit court appointments, and they've gotten some Republican votes. Yeah. Graham, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, they all voted for a presumptive frontrunner. Kentaji Brown Jackson hmm. when she was appointed to the DC circuit. So there's a, so if she's the pick, for instance, there's definitely a chance that you could get some Republican votes. If they go in a different direction, Biden is also vetting Michelle Child, who's a district court judge from South Carolina. Uh, promoted by uh, Jim Clyburn, particularly South Carolina. That's Lindsey Graham's state, man. That's Tim Scott's state, man. Yeah. So there's a chance that you could bring those two guys on if you get to get a down home South Carolina person on the court. So I don't think it's look. Republicans are always going to Republicans. So you, you know, you never go, you never go broke betting on Republican obstructionism. Right. Right. But 
I think there is, I think there is a, a chance, a better than 25% chance that you get a couple of Republican votes with this appointment. I actually I just don't think the confirmation is going to be that hard because the person that he's going to nominate is going to be so immensely qualified. And that's the thing. People say the, the argument that he will end up with anything less than an extremely qualified person for the Supreme Court just because he's focusing on a historically underrepresented group is just ridiculous. You don't end up with a better legal resume than some of the people that are that, that are on his short list. Right. You can just have an as good legal resume as some of these people. So I don't think it's going to be that. I mean, it's a Supreme Court nominee, nomination. It's always a big deal. Right. I don't think it's going to be that challenging, even with our you know polarized politics. What is he waiting for? I feel like this should have happened by now. Well, you know, you got to vet everybody, right? Like, Katanji Brown-Jackson has arguably already been vetted because she was a finalist for the appointment that went to Merrick Garland that was then obstructed by McConnell. But, like, Biden and the White House should probably know her a bit already. Right. But the rest of them, they haven't probably done a full vet. When I say full vet, I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever been vetted by the White House. But <laughs> no, I haven't. I've been vetted by the State House, but not the White House. I, I've I mean, been vetted by the U.S. Senate, but not the White House. They call me your cousin. They call in your elementary school teacher. They, yeah, they, they are going deep on you because they need no surprises. That's the only because that's the only thing that can hurt them, right? And you know, by the way, this is what you know Republicans did not do for Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, um, re- Democrats are not going to make that same mistake. They are going to know every if one of these women has, has a parking ticket, they're going to know about that parking ticket. They're going to ask her in the interview yeah. well, about the parking ticket if she can explain why she got the. Parking well, ticket. well, you know, Senator Kennedy will will bring it up. You know, Miss Jackson, um, yep. uh, how do you feel about parking laws? Because I see look, you have a parking ticket from 1987. Chris, you're not joking. In, <laughs> in a recent confirmation hearing, Marsha Blackburn accused a white woman senator from Tennessee accused yep. a black uh, judicial appointment of having a rap sheet. Yeah, that word a rap sheet because he had three or four unpaid uh, moving violations. Unbelievable tickets. That's horrible. Ellie's got a new book coming out. It is called Allow Me to Retort a Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. I am going to be one of the first people to buy it. And I'll be in line at your book signing at uh, Barnes and Nobles if there is one anywhere still left on the world. Uh, I'll be there, Ellie. I promise. I feel I feel I'm being uh, robbed of my rights to tour, you know, America on a book tour because of this uh, virus. Right? Are you not going to have any book tour at all? I'm going to try to go to a couple places, but like you know that old school, like you know, I'm I'm going to be at the you know Politics and Prose in Columbus, Ohio. Right. I don't feel like I'm going to get to do that. Oh man, you know Steve Israel's got a bookstore. Former Congressman Steve Israel bought a bookstore in Oyster Bay. Really? And yeah, and he's been having like Condoleezza Rice show up, and I never go. I get the invites from him, and I never go because okay, but, I'm literally uh, when I get off of, with you, I'm going to email my publicist, being like, "Yo, let's get me on at yeah, Steve Israel." Yeah, store. yeah, it's like Teddy Roosevelt I, Books or something like that. It's some some weird name. I'm coming when you go there. Okay, <laughs> I'll be there. I'm not going to Westchester, but I, you know, <laughs> but, why would you? But Oyster Bay. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, about the uh, president's Supreme Court. Uh, justice pick. Now, we've heard about uh, Justice Judge Jackson. Who else you see out there that is potential? And do you see any surprise candidate? Like, is Letitia James in the mix? Right. So, I, like I said, uh, Brown Jackson is probably the front runner, but Michelle Childs has a great chance um, because she is being promoted by Jim Clyburn, who you know is like a Biden whisperer person. Yep. Uh, Childs also has the benefit, uh, and it's a weird way to say its benefit, and in, in, but to where we, I think, need to get to, of she's not 
from an Ivy League school. Mm. She didn't go to Harvard for college. She didn't go to Yale for law school. And so she brings not just kind of uh, racial and gender diversity to the court. She brings professional and educational diversity to the Supreme Court, which is sorely lacking. Yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. There were two law schools represented on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Even with Barrett, it's only three. It's Harvard, Yale, and Notre Dame where Barrett went. That's yeah. Funny. That's not a, a full cross-section of the American people, right? So that's a, that's a big uh, uh, feather in a child's cap. I think there's some other people that, that have been talked about. We're talked about more early, and I haven't heard them a lot recently, like Leandra Kruger. She's a justice out in the California state court system on the California Supreme Court. Um, she writes like fire. She's a, she's a fantastic writer, right. a very eloquent former um, deputy solicitor general under the Obama administration. You know, one of her big strengths, and it's, it's, it's a little bit unchivalrous to talk about it this way, but she's young. She's 45. Yeah, well, that's look, let's put somebody on there that's 40. You know, I mean, that's what that's what Trump was doing. How old is Amy Comey Barrett? She's younger than me. Right, right, right. So she's. I mean, literally, Trump has been putting Trump, and not just at the, the Supreme Court, but in the lower courts as well. They've been putting kind of the youngest people they could find, so they can wield power for thirty or forty years. Yeah, and you know, a Kruger at at forty five years old. Is is the Amy Coney Barrett of that you know of the left, if you will, in terms of the age, right? So she's also in the mix. And in terms of like non judges, I think there are some interesting options. I think Sharon Eiffel's name has been rightly thrown around a lot. Yeah, Eiffel is the uh, head of the NAACP League. That'd be awesome. Fund. Yeah, uh, she's an awesome advocate for for civil rights. And justice, I think her name is has been in there. There are a couple of legal academics that I've heard tossed around. Professor Melissa Murray, NYU Law School. If you watch like Ari Melber, she's on a lot. Yeah, you know. So they're, 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 she's again. If we're even if we just limit ourselves to black women, there's a deep bench here. One of the things I like to try to get people to understand. Look, I follow the courts a lot. I understand being on the Supreme Court is a tough job. It's not an impossible job. In the country of 330 million people, there are like a million and a half people who could be on the Supreme Court. Right, right. right. You also get a pretty nice budget for clerks, too, right? just, just for the it's record. Not like programming a rocket to land on Mars. No, right? this, no. This is like you can read, right? And people don't even understand this. There's no requirement that you go to law school at all to be on the Supreme Court. No, none. You can put a non-lawyer on. So you can, so again, even if we're just looking at black women, there are, there is an overabundance of qualified people on the on, which is why I think it is so important to try to focus on being a little bit more diverse. 115 people have served on the Supreme Court in our nation's history. 108 of them have been white to hetero males. Yeah. Let me ask you something. I mean, we can do better. You know, you you follow the court. Should there be term limits for these people? I mean, you know, I, I mean, RBG, I mean, Clarence Thomas, how long has he been there? Right. Right. I mean, like enough of this already. I, I, I'm a big believer in people leaving after a certain amount of time. I, I don't get this. The Constitution was written by people who had not discovered Robitussin. Right. right? They didn't understand just how long a life could be. Right. Um, I, am, I am a fan of, of, of term limits. I'm a fan of, you know, I think one of the current best ideas is an 18-year term limit, because if you did that through nine justices, you'd have one of them retiring every two years. Yeah. That, that, that seems like a good strategy to me. Um, unfortunately, as I read the Constitution, you probably need a constitutional amendment for, to make that happen. You definitely need a constitutional amendment to make that happen. I don't know why we don't work on that. I, look, um, it's, our- it's also extremely popular. So. Yes. Yeah, nobody nobody likes people that stay forever. Nobody wants to look. It's like somebody shows up at your house, you know, and just wants to hang out. Oh, let's have some more coffee. Uh, I'm done with coffee. I put it away. I've, the dishwasher's going. Time to go. Right. How many times do you have to turn the lights on and off 
before you get the message. You don't have to go home, but you can't say. Yeah, right. You got to play that song closing time over and over and over again until people figure it out. But it, it, it and I think that that's what's got to happen with the Supreme Court, both on the left and the right. People, I look. I when Breyer's retired, I'm like, great. I mean, I met Breyer's when I was in law school. So, and I've been out of law school a long time, right? right? There's, so. there's, 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 especially with the pace of technology and whatever, you got people making critical decisions about Facebook and our data privacy who, you know, use, don't know how to use anything other than a typewriter. Yeah. Like, we just, look, I am with you on, but again, you need a constitutional amendment. That means you need to get 35, 36, 38 states yeah. together to, to, to ratify. I think, I think you could. Just, that's I think the, I, that's just a heavy lift right now, especially because. Republicans are winning, and yeah. stop winning. Right? And they never want to think about what comes next. Ellie Mistal's got a book coming out. It is called "Allow Me to Retort: A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution." I am really looking forward to this report because this book, because if it's half as entertaining as Ellie is, it's going to be the greatest book ever written. So I'm looking forward to it. Ellie, let's talk for a second about the January sixth committee and the work that they've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, to try to get people to testify. Now, I'm hearing, we're all hearing, that Rudy Giuliani is going to cooperate. Now, I don't believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, you know, what do you think? I want to believe, Chris. I'm like Mulder and X-Files, right? I want to believe that, that, it's, that, that, that one of these people breaks. One of the things that people need to understand is the reason why Trump is still not in jail, fundamentally, right. is because he has managed to surround himself by people who won't tell the truth no matter what pressure you put on them. Right. Paul Manafort, he got pardoned, but he was willing to go to jail. Roger Stone, he got pardoned, but he was willing to go to jail. Yeah. Michael Cohen went to jail and only then decided to tell the truth. He's been like the only one to actually flip on Trump. Right. And that was after he lied. And Trump. nobody believed him. His credibility was, was a bit shot. <laughs> right. Point, right. So like Alan Weissel, Weisselberg, uh, the, 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 the Trump, uh, Trump org uh, CFO, he is under indictment. He hasn't flipped, right? So as long as Trump keeps finding patsies, essentially, willing to take all the heat for, for him, he will walk free. Now, Giuliani, certainly I think there's a great chance that he'll just go to the committee and lie. I think right. that's the first, he just won't cooperate fully or he'll cooperate in a lying fashion. Like That's got to be the assumption because we're not naive people. But I hope, I hope that maybe Giuliani could be the first yeah, stone in the like, like, is Giuliani Darth Vader? Like, in the end, is he going to pick the emperor up and throw him over the freaking balcony and let him die? Or, or can he just make people, If he can he just say, say enough to maybe try to save his own skin that it makes somebody else think, like, well, maybe I got to play ball, too, because if Giuliani's helping a little bit, maybe I have to help a little bit. Mark Meadows. Right. You know, maybe I have to help a little bit. Uh, 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 Michael Flynn, like it just. We, oh, Michael Flynn. Know. Michael Flynn is never going to flip because Michael Flynn is worse than Trump. Michael Flynn is a treasonous. Yeah, you know, right. I don't want to say the word on 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 the public airwaves. Yeah, on, on family, to, on family <laughs> yeah, radio. Yeah, 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 but he is he is that guy, and I, you know, I I look at him. I'm like, why is this guy still walking free? Mike, why is his brother Mike still Pence? commanding the 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 fleet in the Pacific? Mike Pence starting to make some noises like he might finally grow, grow a brain cell like we we look I, I think it's still fundamentally unlikely also people need to remember this every let's say everything works out let's say the january 6th committee gets everything that they want everybody cooperates what happens after that nothing well, they file a report <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> nothing will happen because the the people who believe Trump will not believe whatever comes out of this committee, even if Rudy Giuliani testifies. The January sixth committee is not a law enforcement agency; it is an oversight committee of Congress that doesn't result in jail time. To get jail time, you have to have Merrick Garland. Right. The attorney general actually take up the work of the January 6th committee to say nothing of the fact that he should have been doing it now on his own because he's got the FBI at his disposal. Well, is he doing it on his own? I mean, we see indictments like with people like uh, Elmer Rhodes and other people like that being indicted, the, the Proud Boys guy. Like- what we have seen so far, I think, is that Merrick Garland has shown that he is willing to go out after the actual people who set foot in the Capitol uh, and the kind of uh, and the organizational structure behind them. What we haven't seen so far, maybe that's coming, but what we haven't seen so far is a desire or a willingness to go after the politically powerful and connected, right? Right, right. So, right. like, I don't see anything coming at coming at the Trump administration officials. I don't see anything coming out of the national Republicans. So he's willing to go after the Oath Keepers. Is he willing to go after the Republicans? So far, the answer has been no, but... We don't know well, the answer at all. Is it possible that like mob cases where you start with the foot soldiers, then you get the middle managers, which I think the Proud Boy leadership is the middle managers, uh, and then you go after the top brass? Is, could, could it be possible he's building his case? It's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. I believe that if that was what we, he was doing, we would see more evidence of that because one of the things that we know is that the Trump people love to complain when they are questioned, love yeah. to complain when they are subpoenaed, love to complain when they are brought in for interviews. And we don't really see that so far, but you never know. One of the other things that we know is that the Trump people love to file lawsuits against subpoenas, yeah. against document productions. We haven't seen that so far. So I don't know that he's doing that, but that doesn't mean that he can't. The, mm. Just because he's not doing it, Today doesn't mean that he can't wake up tomorrow with maybe a little bit more of a fire in the belly and, and do it tomorrow. So I, you know, and I, I, I also wonder, though, this, you know, executive branch to executive branch is the document request process the same as if it's coming from Congress. So, like, if the Department of Justice wants to get something from the National Archives or from the White House, is it different than getting it from Congress? And it's not as public a process. I feel like it is having worked in government. Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't. I, it's so hard to say. Right. As much as I'm saying that we should know or we could know, the the bottom line is that this is a relatively unprecedented investigation. Right. 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 Like right. Just, there isn't a lot of historical um, precedents that we can find where a current Department of Justice is even thinking about investigating the previous administration. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we don't. So so it's hard for me to say like this is that that there's a normal procedure here that is or isn't being followed because none of this is normal. All I keep coming back to is that when these Trump people, when they have the screws put to them, they whine. Yeah. They whine to Steve Bannon. They whine to Alex Jones. They whine. Yeah. We're not hearing the whining. What well, makes me feel like the FBI hasn't been in their trash cans yet. Well, we're hearing a little whining in New York today because yes, a judge ruled the, the, the a judge ruled that Trump and Ivanka and Don Jr. must testify. They're allowed to take the Fifth Amendment if they want, but they need to testify uh, under subpoena from uh, the Attorney General in New York, Tish James, who, quite frankly, I think would be a great Supreme Court justice. Notice the difference there, right, Chris? This is exactly what I'm talking about. We know that that uh, Don Jr. and Ivanka and them got subpoenaed because as soon as it happened, they started complaining to Daddy that they got subpoenaed. Yeah. 
that's what would be happening if the FBI was subpoenaing them as well. <laughs> so that's why I think this not ha- hasn't happened yet. But yes, in New York, and it's a great decision. Of course, they have to testify. Um, there's no their their argument that like first of all Trump's argument that because he was president, right. everything that he ever thought is privileged is just bunk. It's ridiculous. But then certainly that the, that the privilege somehow extends to his children is just. Re- Ridiculous. There's never been, and people are just like, "Oh, he's going after the children." No, you know, it's like he never even saw Hamilton. These children are the people that he put in place in positions of power throughout his company and throughout the government. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ivanka had a job in the White House. Right? She's she's fair game. I, I, you know, I would never give my kid a job in my administration. Right? My kid, like nobody should come after my kid because my kid's nine. Yeah, your kid's not him editing my article. Yeah, your kid's not writing a book right now. You know, he, he's not editing your, your your text here and saying, you know, uh, you know, maybe you should hit Trump a little harder, Dad. <laughs> he's not my publicist, right? So like, so like, obviously that's different. But here he put they put his children in positions of power, not only in his company but also in his administration. Of course, they're fair game, and of course they know stuff, right? That's why they don't want to testify? And we'll say, look. I think that. I think it'll be funny when they take the fifth, but I think they'll take the fifth because oh, yeah. that's what any lawyer well, well, would tell them to do. Well, Eric was subpoenaed. He came in and took the fifth 500 times. <laughs> like, you know, come in and take the fifth. I mean, that's, you're, you're right. You don't have to testify if you don't want to, but you got to show up. Yep. You know, you don't have to answer every question. I mean, I, I think Eric Trump took the fifth. Is your name Eric Trump? Uh, I took the fifth. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know what my real name is. But, you know, let me go back to, you, you know, we mentioned Pence maybe breaking. And I have been of the mind that Pence is done politically. He's never going to be the Republican nominee for president. Maybe if he wants to run for Senate in Indiana at some point, he might have a chance at some point. But he's done. He's never going to be president at this point. Not with this Republican Party. And Trump was basically willing to let him die on January 6th. Willing. Yeah, uh, probably encouraging it, right? Right, encouraging. <laughs> so why, you know, why is taking him so long to come around? I gotta think that it's money, right? Because even if we, even if he understands with clarity that he's done politically, and just you know, you and I have been around enough politicians to know that reality sometimes takes a minute to catch up with these. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even if, but but even if he has has accepted that he's done politically, he hasn't accepted that he's done kind of professionally. Mm. And if he's going to have a future in the Republican Party as it's so constituted, as a lobbyist, as a fundraiser, as a person who can also avail himself of the grift, yes. is the Republican. That's Party. what I was thinking. The grift. Right. Then he kind of still needs to play ball and not piss these people off so much. And I think that's what that's has motivated him. For a long time, at some point, what's hap- what what happened to him and his family, the danger that he was put in, and the danger that these people are still willing to put the rest of the country in. Again, you just you just hope that one day he wakes up, you know, in a cold sweat, you know, looks at himself in the mirror, thinks, "What have I become?" and decides to do the right thing. It's always. You're always going to be disappointed if you're if you're simply betting on bad people to grow a conscience. Yeah. But we're kind of in a situation where nothing is really going to happen unless bad people grow a conscience and decide to be better humans. And hopefully Pence is, is, is starting, to, starting to experience what it might feel like to be a better human um, just by telling the truth. Yeah. Again, that's the other thing. We're not asking these people to do anything but tell the truth. To do what we've always asked people to do when it comes to, to this country. Tell the truth. Do the right thing. Stop a wrong. I mean, come on. I don't need you to stand in front of a tank, right? Right. I don't need you to take a hill. 
I need you to tell the truth. These people literally would have killed you if they got you. They would have killed you. You were afraid to get in the limousine with your secret service because you thought they were going to take you someplace to kill you. Right. And and you're not going to testify? Right. You want to let these people come back? What do you think happens when they come back? You think they're going to be nice to you? You're out of your mind. Like, I've had some bad bosses. Ain't none of them tried to kill me. No, none of my bad bosses (laughs) tried to kill me. All right, Ellie, I'm out of time with you, and i got to plug the book. It is called... Uh, uh, excuse me. Allow me to retort, retort a black guy's guide to the Constitution. It comes out on March 1st. Pre-order it now on Amazon or wherever else you get books these days. Ellie Mistal, you are the best. Love having Thanks. you here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Have a nice one. All right, that's Ellie. I mean, come on. You better buy his book. I already bought it. Uh, I pre-ordered it on Amazon, which is something I rarely do. But I did it this time because I love that guy. And I love uh, I love his commentary. So I'm looking forward to reading his book. Uh, very relevant time to have him on. I thought by now, as we talked about, I thought by now Biden would have picked his Supreme Court nominee. I'm a little concerned that he hasn't. I don't think it has anything to do with Senator Lujan's illness. Senator Lujan had a stroke. Uh, he's expected to make a full recovery and return to the Senate sometime mid to late March. Uh, but frankly, I mean, 28 days, it's uh, kind of a long time, uh, after an, uh, a vacancy has been announced for him to put this out there. And I don't think this should be a controversial pick. I know that some conservatives are going to want to try to make white men mad about it because Biden said, how dare he say he's going to pick a black woman to be on the Supreme court. Uh, what about all the white qualified white people? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of qualified Black women who have never even been considered seriously in this country for these spots, and now they're going to be. So too bad, so sad. Life is full of pain. To quote one of my law school professors, uh, to all you you know people who are upset that he didn't even consider white men or white women or black men or anybody else. You know, it's time. I mean, it's uh, the Supreme Court is going to benefit from uh, a new perspective on the world. So good. Good on him. Uh, looking forward to his pick. I hope he does it soon because, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen in that Senate. I mean, Senator Lujan's a young man. I don't even think he's 60, and he had a stroke. Um, there are a lot of guys in their 80s in the Senate, women in their 80s in the Senate, who, you know, God forbid something bad happens to them, and we only have 49 senators. I don't think McConnell's going to give them the votes. Just saying. Uh, I think if you have 50 votes, you might get 55. But if you have 49 votes, I don't think you're getting 51. So uh, let's get this moving. And let's get it moving now. Lujan's going to be back in four weeks. You don't need him for the committee hearings. Let's get rolling. So anyway, buy Ellie's book. Um, I plugged it a lot. Uh, It's a great uh, uh, title. Allow me to retort. Black guy's guide to the Constitution. Should be good. Ellie's funny. Uh, he's, he's very smart, Harvard educated, uh, but you know, he's not a stuffy Harvard guy. Uh, he grew up on Long Island. Uh, I, I've known him for a while. Uh, very excited, uh, when he comes on the show, I'm very excited to read his book. So, um, you know, look, I mean, it's going to be, this is a week that's going to be going to feel like a year. And I know a lot of you, your kids are off from school. A lot of you were off on Monday. Uh, it's going to feel like a year with what's going on, um, in Ukraine. Uh, it's going to feel like a year. And we're all going to be watching it closely. We're all going to be praying 
that there's a diplomatic solution because I don't think a war in Europe is going to be good for anybody. And I don't think it's going to be short if it starts. So let's, uh, let's hope that cooler heads prevail. And um, I don't know that they will, though, frankly. I know I had Katrina Van uh, Hulling on about a year week ago. And, uh, you know, I was feeling like, nah, he's not going to invade. He, you know, the cost is going to be very high for him. But now I kind of feel like he is. But let's see. Let's hope diplomacy works. There's still a chance that it will. He's saber-rattling. He's, you know, trying to get his best deal. He's putting us in a tough spot. Because, quite frankly, I think he's gone too far at this point with the recognition of those territories. I don't know how Biden then just goes, okay, all right, all right. What do you want, Vlad? Um, it's 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 going to be very difficult for him to do that at this point. I, I know the Ukrainian people, I mean, they're not going to give up another inch of territory to this guy. Maybe some rights for those people on that territory. Uh, but I don't think you give up an inch of territory. That's just my feeling. But who knows? Uh, this time next week when we get together again, we'll have better answers, hopefully. Or not. Because that's the way this works sometimes. So uh, I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth, to question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America.